You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will stand with me right now, to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, and I want to read two verses to you. And then we'll go back in the, in the course of the sermon and look at 12 verses together. But there are two verses I want you to see this morning. And we're going to focus on them because I believe uh, that they can bring great hope to your heart. So Ezekiel chapter 47, that's way back in the Old Testament, all right? So go back there and find it real quick. We'll have it for you. We have off-the-wall scripture here, too, for you if you need it. So take a look at Ezekiel 47, verse 9, and it says this, And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. In verse 12, listen to this, And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Those of you who know the word well know that these words are almost identical in another place in the book of Revelation in a description of the new heaven and the new earth. Let's pray and ask God to reveal to us these words and to comfort us with his love. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this vision of eternal restoration. And Lord, today we want to touch that water. We want to feel that water. We want to taste and see that you are good. I sense, Lord, that the people in this room... The people of our church, the the people in our country who follow you, Lord, we seem a little bit dry. We, We feel a little bit lacking. So God, please refresh our spirits today and help us see that you've got this. You hold us in your arms and your love brings refreshment and healing. Refresh us this morning And those who are suffering, those who are broken, Lord, let your gospel heal them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's as simple as this. Where the river flows, there is life. It's as simple as that. That's a paraphrase there of that end of verse 9. And it is a beautiful thought. Wherever the river flows, everything will live. I've been praying for revival for many years. Pastor Johnny, whom many of you know, we began to pray for revival in DeSoto, Missouri, there in my old office there at First Baptist Church DeSoto, many years ago, on our knees and on our faces before the Lord. DeSoto used to be known as the Fountain City. There were all kinds of artesian wells, And God gave me a vision one night of water bubbling up from the ground. And it wasn't just water to drink. It was the living water. And so we began to pray. 
And God blessed there at DeSoto over the years. We saw many people come to know the Lord. I don't know that we ever had the fullness of that revival, but I sense that God is doing something right now where that revival, that flood may be coming to them. Johnny and I continued that time of prayer when he came here. And every Thursday morning at 8 a.m., we meet back here. You're always welcome. We pray for revival. You're always welcome to pray with us because we want to see the refreshing power of God come to our land. Now, here in Missouri, we know a thing or two about float trips. Seems like that is a Missouri institution. Here in Missouri and Arkansas, I guess, we have beautiful rivers, and they allow for a nice summer afternoon of sun, gravel bars, and beautiful countryside, never mind the snakes and all the other critters. But when you look at Ezekiel's vision of heaven, as I said a moment ago, very similar to the same vision that John gets in the book of Revelation, you realize that here in Ezekiel 47, you are on a float trip of sorts. And I'll explain that here in a moment because it really is the truth when you look at verses 1 through 6. You are on a float trip, but the current of God's grace is what I want you to get a hold of here today because that's what will carry you to life and healing. We are all going with the flow one way or another. And I'm praying that this morning, if you're going with a flow that is of this world, that you will change course, that the Spirit of God will begin to carry you in the direction of His will. There is obviously many currents swirling about us in the world today. Many people are being led to destruction by the desires of their hearts. The desires of our hearts always lead to darkness. A very informative passage on this. If you want to read it later, read Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. For there Paul says that we were, before we were saved, carried along by the currents of this world. Here's what's great though. In verse 4 he says, but God who is rich in mercy. See, he changes the course. We're no longer, if we're believers, going in the direction of destruction, but we are delivered from that because of God's rich mercy. This passage, Ezekiel 48, is an interesting passage. It's a powerful passage. What makes it so powerful is the context is the darkest hour of Israel. Ezekiel is speaking to people who are in exile, people who have lost everything, literally, figuratively, and spiritually. This could be uh, seen as or called out as the lowest point in Israel's history. I want to encourage you, this last Wednesday night, we were in Psalm 42, and there at the end of that psalm, it says, deep calls to deep. Let me say this. I believed for a while this last year that I was in a dark place, but God in his mercy and through the word and through people, he began to reveal to me that I wasn't in a dark place, I was in a deep place. When you are in a deep place, that's when God begins to show you who he is and all the things that you can do. Ezekiel was not in a dark place as much as he was in a deep place. I was thinking about that this week. I put this all together on Monday, but it was, I think, Friday morning as I was reading in Jonah 2. Well, Jonah got swallowed up in a whale. He went down, it says in the text, to the deep. But it was in the deep 
that he remembered that salvation was of the Lord. Sometimes we have to go deep. We have to be surrounded by some darkness so that we can remember who we are and what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Don't tell me you're in a dark place. You may be. I'm not saying that you're not. But is it possible, oh Christian brother or sister, that the darkness isn't the purpose, the deepness is? God wants to show you who he is. He wants to give you something sweet, and that's exactly what Ezekiel sees. He sees living waters. He witnesses leaves of healing. Our broken spiritual condition, I'm telling you, whatever you brought in here, hear me out, listen to me well. It doesn't matter what you brought in here. It doesn't matter what burden you bear. Jesus can heal it. Jesus can heal it, and we need to start acting like it and believing it because Jesus is the river of life. He provides healing for our souls. We have refreshment in him. I believe where the river flows, everything will live, and I believe that the river will flow on you today. Let's begin by looking at verses 1 through 6. Now, this is a hard passage to read. It's a little bit repetitive, but it's worth listening to. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 6. I didn't want to read it at the beginning because I figured I'd lose all you people. If I read this at the beginning, you'd check out and you'd already be heading towards your cheeseburger or whatever it is you're going to have for lunch. Now listen, God has a word for you here and here's what it is. Great hope from small beginnings. Great hope from small beginnings. Notice the text. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Riveting reading, right? You guys with me? Stay with me. Don't go to sleep yet, okay? Going on eastward with the measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, which is about 1,700 feet for those of you who are keeping score. And he goes and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. That is strange. Let me tell you what you're hearing there. You're hearing a miracle. You're hearing something that, as we're going to see in a moment, is absolutely miraculous. This isn't just about water flowing from some high place to a low place, as it is wont to do, but this is the power of God. Something that starts with a trickle, as the text tells us, and turns into something great. I've already told you that Ezekiel 47 is a period in the history of Israel that could be demarcated as the low point. 
But here at this low point, the prophet Ezekiel is allowed to see the Spirit of Christ as I see it. And I think if you want proof of that, look later at Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 3. That looks like a description of Jesus to me. I think he is the one giving this oracle. This is the last of Ezekiel's oracles. This is the one that matters most. This is what the whole book was building up to. This is what you need to hear, okay? I think it's the Spirit of Christ speaking to us about the heavenly temple. And notice that the water is coming out. Now, I want to just put you on notice. The world is the way it is because of sin. But the world could be much better if sin had never entered in. So what I want to tell you is, is you're going to see this picture of restoration. It's restoring what ought to be. It's bringing back Eden. When you read the rest of the text, especially verse 12 as I read to you, not only does it point to the end of Scripture... There in chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation. But it points back to Genesis 1 and 2 in the Garden of Eden. God is restoring the world. That's what he does. You sin and break it. God restores it. That's what Ezekiel is seeing in this picture of the water that begins as a trickle. Now if you can imagine, the threshold is just a stone that would be in a doorway, okay? And there in the temple, there is a threshold, and water begins to trickle from underneath it. This word is interesting in Hebrew. It makes the sound, when you read it in Hebrew, which my Hebrew is terrible, I tell people all the time, uh, Western Kentucky English and ancient Hebrew do not go together. So I'm not even going to try to give you the word, but they say that it makes the sound of a trickle, whatever a trickle is. Now... A trickle, as, as it is defined by those who know what they're talking about, imagine taking a small vial of water and pouring it out and hearing the sound of that water just kind of dripping. It's never consistent, right? If it's a small bottle with a relatively small top, it pours out and it comes out and drops and sputters and spatters, right? Isn't that how it goes? That's what this is describing. When the water begins, it is... As one person put it, I like, the word trickle is kind of a funny word, but I love this word even better. An Anglican uh, bishop put it this way. Instead of a trickle, he called it a teardrop. A teardrop. In fact, that's exactly what we see here is a teardrop of water. Shall we say it? A teardrop of grace flowing from the temple. Ezekiel says that about every 1,700 feet, what started out as a teardrop turns into something that's ankle deep, and then it's knee deep, and then another 1,700 feet, and it is waist deep, and then another 1,700 feet, and it is so wide you can swim in it, and beyond that, it's so wide you can't even cross it. Notice this, a trickle or a teardrop turned into a flood. See, that's the miracle. The volume here is the miracle. The water flowing from a place is not unusual, but a trickle turning into a flood in such a short distance, that's not natural, that's something supernatural. I want you to hear me today. Friends, we don't need just a trickle of God's power and grace. We need a flood. We need a flood. And things do start small sometimes. The Mississippi, the Amazon, the Nile, all of those mighty rivers start as mere uh, sprinklings, springs, small amounts of water that build stronger over time. 
I've been blessed to be at some places up in the mountains where rivers are born, to see the water flowing from the mountain and gathering steam as it goes down. Now in Colorado, the, the heights of those mountains are pretty, pretty tall and, and those streams very quickly do get to be raging. But here we don't have the distance and we don't have the height. This is not a natural setting. This is a supernatural setting. It is a teardrop of water that turns into something more like a flood. Friends, God is at work in your life. I want to mention to you today that even you being here, I know some of you probably didn't want to be here. The person sitting next to you made you come here. But I want you to know this. Some of you are looking at one another. This is embarrassing, but anyway. <laughs> look at me, look at me. Don't make it hard on your guest. Let me just say this. It may not seem like much. But if you can get just a drop of God's grace this morning, it could turn into a flood. Amen. Believe that God brought you here for a reason, to be loved and encouraged through the word. In fact, the prophet Zechariah is helpful at this point. He tells us to not despise a day of small things. Don't despise a day of small things. Today may not be a big deal, or at least you don't think it is. But God could be doing something big. Let me tell you a quick story. Back many years ago, an unknown person left a little gospel tract. And if you're a Baptist that's been around very long, you know what a gospel tract is. It's a little bitty booklet that tells the gospel story. It's a, it's a way to share your faith. Back in the old days, we used to do that a lot. I don't know how successful that is these days. But that particular tract caught the attention of a man by the name of Richard Baxter who read it and was saved. His ministry in Kidderminster, England, uh, literally he, he led almost every single person in his town to Jesus. And it all started with a little tract. He wrote a book called The Saints Everlasting Rest, which was read by a man by the name of Philip Doddridge, who wrote a book called The Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul. And that book changed the life of a man by the name of William Wilberforce. And Wilberforce is the man who literally changed the world by eradicating slavery in the British Empire. He uh, also wrote a book called Practical Christianity, which was read by a man by the name of Thomas Chalmers, a Scottish preacher whose preaching shook the land of Scotland. His sermons in 25 volumes continued to feed the saints for many years. Now, the reason I wanted to go through that is, is all that started with a very small thing called a gospel track. What looks like a tiny drop of grace ended up being a flood where literally I would say because of the books just that I read right there, millions of lives have been changed. If you are faithful, listen to me, brothers and sisters in Christ, it occurred to me this morning, if every single one of you would just be faithful to share your faith, to invite people to worship, to be a part of the kingdom of God, that seems like just a drop, doesn't it? But if you would be faithful in the little things, imagine what God could do. A drop of grace. If you will be involved enough to give a drop of grace, you too could change the world. We need people who believe things like this because there is a trickle of grace in every life. God's grace is going to wash up against your toes at one point or another in the journey. And I know that the, the world is always trying to pull you in the other direction. The, the, the sin in our lives try to disconnect us from this tiny trickle of grace. In fact, we do despise the day of small things because the world is always offering us what looks like big things. 
But when the world offers you some big thing, it, it, that's as good as it gets. If it's from the world, whatever you see, it is not leading you to anything spiritually significant. The feel good is in the moment. It's not in the long run. But the small things, the trickle, the teardrop of grace that God has for you, it starts small and then it becomes a flood. Jesus is offering living water to every one of you here this morning. That's John 4.10. And rivers of living water to those who believe in him. That's John 7.38. The water provides abundant life, John 10.10. And can deliver you from all that will steal, kill, and destroy you. Also, John 10.10. 10. The source of this hope is God in Christ. We know that God gave us his only begotten son. And we know that we have his witness. Now, hear me. I believe that it only takes a little bit. If you're a grandparent... Pour a little bit of grace into your grandchildren today. If you're a parent, pour a little bit of grace into your children today. If you're at work tomorrow and you have an opportunity to say a positive thing. Uh, the other day we were having a meal and I said amen and I didn't know that the waiter was right there. And he said amen really loud. And a little bit later I said, man, you said amen so good. Tell me about where you stand with Jesus. Take whatever chance God gives you. Let what seems to be a tiny drop turn into a mighty flood. Ask the Spirit to bring to your memory this morning every touch of grace, every trickle of mercy he has sent your way. Friends, I want you to think about this because if you think about it, most of the major things that God has done in your life, they started small. It was the simple witness of a friend or a family member. It was a song that we hear in the dark of the night. It was something that didn't seem significant in the moment, but as we look back, we see that it was God. If you will remember that it doesn't take much to get you moving in the right direction, then maybe you will be a part of offering just those little bits, those little droplets of grace everywhere you go. Because let me tell you, the power to change is not in you. But the power is in the Lord. Let's talk about the power to change. And now let's go back to the text for just a moment, will you? Psalm, or, uh, Ezekiel, I've been in Psalms so long on Wednesday nights, that's what I say in my sleep. Um, Ezekiel 47, let's take a look at verse 7. He says, as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. And enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for the water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Now we read that. Now look at verse 10. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Angidi to Eneglium. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. Now, all that sounds pretty insignificant until you realize, do you know what the word Arabah means? It's not the ocean. That's not the Hebrew or Aramaic word for the ocean. It's actually the word for the Dead Sea. 
What we're talking about here is the water that flows from the temple is going to the lowest place on earth, by the way, which is the Dead Sea, which has no life in it at all. It's the deadest of deadest places. It's more dead than the average Baptist church, just telling you. (laughs) Come on now. Can't laugh at ourselves. It's going to a dead place where there are no fish and there is no life and it turns things upside down. This is an amazing miracle. When we say the power to change, we're not talking about a slight adjustment. Let me tell you, your soul does not need a mild recalibration if you don't know Jesus. Your soul needs to be completely overhauled. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. Now, it is sad when we share the gospel and we hear someone say something like this, it's too late for me, or it's too late for a change like this to come into my life. I can tell you, I've had many a conversation with people who have not been in Christ or not been raised in church, and they will use as their excuse, it's too late for me. Dear friend, it is perfectly true that it is too late for you to change yourself, but it is never too late for Jesus to change you. It is never too late for God to get a hold of you. We don't have the power. There's a great story told of Charles Spurgeon, probably the greatest evangelist of the late 20th century. Tens of thousands of people were professing their their Christianity because of his ministry. So one day, he's walking in the streets of London, and a drunkard comes up to him and says this to Spurgeon, do you not recognize me? I am one of your converts. Spurgeon replied, right you may well be. If you were God's convert, you wouldn't be in your present condition. People ask me all the time, what about those who were raised in church and are living like the devil today? Well, let me tell you, they may be the convert of a man, but they've not been converted by Christ When Christ gets a hold of us, it changes us. Spurgeon, who was as good as anybody at giving the gospel and seeing people come to know the Lord, sometimes people made false professions. It happens. But I want you to know God alone can rescue you from your sin. God alone can radically alter the landscape of your heart. God's grace is so powerful that a teardrop of grace flowing from the threshold of the temple on the east side, flowing to the east, becomes a river that flows into the Dead Sea, which makes the Dead Sea live again. That's what God wants to do. Today, this morning, God loves you so much that he brought you here to have to put up with me so that you could just have one drop of grace. So that this saltiness in your life, and you, you, some of you know I'm right, you're salty, And that's not good. You think it's good. You you brag about how salty you are. Well, salty things are dead. So watch out. Salt, a little bit of salt is fine. You know, if you're salty a little bit, you probably add a little bit of life to the party and you're okay. But if you're salty all the time, let me tell you, you're dead. Your soul's dead. If there's no sweetness in you, then where's Jesus? Because Jesus is sweet. Friends, we need a teardrop of grace And where God's river flows, life springs forth. So let me just ask you this. Are you, where you go, wherever you go, whatever you do, are you bringing life or are you bringing death? Are you one who brings the the, the spiritual level up in the room or do you bring it down? 
I'm here to tell you, if we have this drop of grace, this teardrop, this trickle of grace in our lives, we can help lift people up. Now, here's what's even more amazing. I've been talking pretty bad about salt, but you all know that salt is a valuable thing. In the ancient world, salt was one of the most valuable commodities. In fact, you probably earn a salary, right? Which in the old world, especially in the Roman world, salary, that's just from the word salt. They got paid in salt. Don't complain about your job and your pay. (laughs) Don't complain. You got more than a shaker of salt, didn't you, on your last paycheck? Well, the Romans had to fight and die and all they got was salt. But anyway, that shows you how valuable it was. Notice in the text that it says that not all of the marshes will be made fresh. Why? Because God not only provides living water, but he'll provide for your every need. This passage shows God taking care of us in every conceivable way. He gives us the refreshment of fresh water, which provides fish and life and food, but he also knows that we still need to make a living to to earn our keep. And in this text, Ezekiel's vision of God's restoration is one where we are provided for in every way. Listen, Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And I hope you are hearing that today. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, God's teardrop of grace can refresh you and restore you. That's the message from God's word today. The wages of sin is death, true. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we are made alive together in Christ when we trust in God. It takes no more than a teardrop, a trickle of grace to wash away the sins in your heart. The power to change is not inside of you, but it is here this morning. The grace of God will wash through. If the Dead Sea can live, so can you. Because the gospel is the most powerful agent of change in all the world. And that leads us to the last verse. Verse 12, healing for all people. Very briefly, let's look at this. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. The river brings life to the land, no doubt. But I want you to see this, and I've already alluded to it. When our text tells us that the river of life is flowing... It's not just to, you know, create some beautiful landscape. The whole idea here isn't just a refreshment of the land, though one would understand why you would think that reading this text. It's not about the refreshment of the land, but the land is refreshed so that you can be refreshed. It's about people. The gospel is about people. Jesus came to this earth to die for people. He came so that you and your brokenness and all the messiness of your life can be healed. The final destination of the life-giving water God unleashes from the temple is you. Their fruit, we are told in verse 12, will be for food and their leaves for healing. Those trees are for you. Ezekiel, way back in the 6th century BC, was seeing something out of this world. 
In fact, Ezekiel 47, 12, where it speaks, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Now let me read to you Revelation 22, 1 through 2. It's on the screen. Hear these words. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree... We're for the healing of the nations. Don't we need that today, brothers and sisters? The healing of the nations. The water that flowed from the temple there in Ezekiel 47, that Revelation 22 speaks of, what we see again is Eden restored. The world becoming what it ought to be. Jesus spoke of a time in Luke 13, 29, when people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Hear me again, dear church, where the river flows, everything will live. The question this morning is, is the river flowing over you? Our lives can be a channel of grace or we can try to be a collection point of grace. Too many in the church today are not experiencing the power and the healing force of God's word because we keep trying to take it all in for ourselves. Listen, God's word will give you what you need, but when you have what you need from God, you need to share it with those in need. We are to be a part of this river. We are to be uh, more of a gate that lets the river flow. If we are going to talk about having gospel conversations with 8,400 people, let me tell you, that is but a teardrop, okay, a tiny drop, a trickle of the grace that God wants to bring to Springfield and to the land. If we will begin with something that small, with all of us being faithful in the smallest way, sharing our faith seven times in 15 months, that seems like to me a very small thing, but that's how floods get started. Every one of us adding a drop of grace. Don't try to store up the blessings God intended you to share with the world. He intended for you to share these things with the world. Let me say William Carey's line is good here. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. When will we understand that God has given us? I know that many of you feel like that you are limited Many of you feel like that you don't have much to offer, but I'm here to tell you the world doesn't need much more than just a drop of grace. Be that drop of grace. You are loved by God, Christian. If you're a Christian here today, let me remind you, you are loved by God. He has already poured grace out on you. Now let that grace flow. Some of you today, maybe this is the first time you've really considered Maybe for the first time you've realized that that tiny trickle or teardrop of grace hasn't come your way. You've not received it. You don't have the living water. I'm going to pray this morning, right now, for you to change, to listen, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to let the river flow. Why? Because everywhere the river flows, there is life. Now, before I pray, if you've got an emergency, you can go. But I don't want you going unless you're going to come up here. You understand? We're here to worship here at the end of the service. This is not your exit cue. This is your get right with Jesus cue. Stand. Let me pray for you.
Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.